To understand the Pan-Amazonian Synod that is starting in October, we need to understand the motivations of the present pontiff and those who pushed for his election the most. And then what the Synod working document calls for will make the most sense. Consider this video to be a reintroduction to the Pan-Amazon Synod for those who are new to this topic and are just now hearing about it in a meaningful way for the first time, or for those of you who just need to put the pieces together in a greater way. If you have someone close to you who doesn't know what the Synod is supposed to be about, and you think they may be open to this style of talking about it, and aren't going to be put off by the tone and the way I have about talking about this and other issues, please consider sharing this video with them so we can get more Catholics aware of this, and more Catholics open to joining our Rosary Novena of Novenas coming in mid-August, which again will start August 15th, and we'll be using the format and intentions as listed on the Roman Catholic Man website. Just include the Amazon Synod intention. Now with all that said, something that I hadn't seen in almost six months came across my digital desk yes late yesterday as I was trying to figure out how I was going to do a Synod Roundup for today. And that something was an article from mid-February of this year from Crisis Magazine, which details the contents of the memoir of the man who handpicked Cardinal Bergoglio to be the nominee of the St. Gallen Group for the papacy as early as 2001. And that man who handpicked him was the late Cardinal Martini, who some consider to be an anti-pope. That would be an A-N-T-E pope, not A-N-T-I pope. Sort of an adjacent pope, or the person who probably was responsible for causing Benedict XVI and John Paul II so much grief during their papacies. Again, this happened in 2001, a good four years before the, con the 2005 conclave that picked Cardinal Ratzinger to be the pope which means Bergoglio was almost certainly on the watch list of key figures of the St. Gallen group earlier than that, being carefully vetted to ensure that he believed in what Cardinal Martini believed in. And what was this philosophy? Cardinal Bergoglio needed to share the philosophy of permanent change, or continuing synodality, in the Church. Change inflicted on the Church in small but continuous amounts via synod, which do not have the pomp and circumstance of an ecumenical council, but in the end have the same effect on the Church, but in small, more limited ways. Here's a quote from that crisis article, which I'll have linked on the sources blog, which itself is linked in the description of this podcast. Quote, For the new Pope shared Martini's dream of permanent synodality, permanent revolution via synods, on knots such as marriage and sexuality. Murphy O'Connor said Pope Francis told him how crucial synods were for structuring collegiality, their code for a decentralized church authority. Eugenio Scalfari, too, said Francis told him how long and difficult Martini's synodal road would be and how gently but firmly and tenaciously he would need to proceed. All this talk about long, inexorable marches sounds ominously Gramscian, ominously like a revolution by stealth. When Humanae Vitae was released, Murphy O'Connor let the leash out artfully, paying lip service to the Vatican position on contraception, while dispensing pastoral compassion for dissenters. Later, amidst the family synods, he would let the leash extend again, saying that doctrine changes indirectly and could develop on adultery. Long ago, Cardinal Murphy O'Connor and his, and his group predecessor, Cardinal Basil Hume, received letters from Rome after saying vaguely provocative things about ordaining married men to the priesthood. End quote. So do you see how this works? This looks like the Amazon Synod is going to be endgame for their march through the church, but it's actually not going to be. 
The march will continue, and I'll tell you why towards the end of the video. But the article goes on to describe their attempts to slowly, quote, release the leash, unquote, on other areas, all related to key issues of morality, all related to pushing the values of the world in the church as points of major theological change promoted by the church to get with the times. These men don't realize the folly of trying to get with the times, which is simply that the world is always changing, and, since the Reformation, has always been pushing the envelope of what is permissible in the broader society. The goalposts are always moving, with each new generation expecting get a, to get away with more and more, and these men want the church to essentially acquiesce on every point. Which brings us to the Amazon Synod, which will be meeting in Rome, not in the Amazon, starting on October 6th and running through most of the month of October. In early June, the working document, known as the Instrumentum Laboris, was released and had been signed off on by the Pope himself. It detailed the battle plan or strategy for the changes the German Synod Fathers were going to foist upon the Church Universal in the name of the indigenous peoples of the Amazon. It includes a couple things that we won't go over here, like liberation theology and something they're calling eco-theology. But instead, we're going to focus on what the stated claim was, which was, of course, for change to be localized to the Amazon, but in the post-conciliar area, we already know that localized change becomes universal norm. Look to the communion in the hand or girl altar boys for the perfect example of near-universal practices that started out as local indults. These guys aren't going to be focusing on eco-theology or liberation theology. They want to change the structures of the church on the, you know, on the entire macro level by focusing or using as an excuse the plight of peoples who can't defend themselves or speak for themselves on the local level. And the Amazon group is perfect for that. But what is the Amazon Synod going to push for that has so many ca faithful Catholics in a near state of panic? In short, the 64-page document, which will form the basis of the discussion at the upcoming Synod, suggests that local bishops' conferences adapt the Eucharistic rite to their cultures, that the Church consider ordaining married elders to the priesthood, and that Synod Fathers identify the official ministry that can be conferred on women, given their prominent role in Amazonian culture. The document also suggests that it's time to reconsider the notion that the exercise of jurisdiction, the power of government, must be linked in all areas. That would be sacramental, judicial, administrative, and in a permanent way to the sacrament of holy orders. In other words, it's the furtherance of the modernist agenda in the church. But let's go further. The working document features a planned attack on the faith itself. Our blessed Lord said numerous statements that all point to there being no salvation outside the Catholic Church. Extra Ecclesium Nulla Salus is the official name of this dogma, and it has been the rule of faith since the beginning, but that itself has been under micro-attack since the Council. One could do a whole video on that dogma alone, so I won't define it further, but it is a dogma of the faith, meaning to deny it means you have left the Church. And the working document does just that, where it states that having a, a, a quote, insincere stance of openness to the other as well as a corporatist attitude which reserves salvation exclusively to one's own creed is destructive of the same creed, unquote. In other words, the dogma of the faith that I just cited, extra ecclesium nulla salus, is destructive of the faith. That is the claim being made here. They're calling for an open rejection of this while at the same time promoting changes that they can, themselves will impact the universal church in serious ways. They cite the parable of the Good Samaritan for this, and say an eerily familiar refrain that we've had thrown in our faces by the unbelievers we encounter daily. Quote, Loved live in any religion pleases God, unquote. This line from the working document is instructive. Quote, 
Through an exchange of gifts, the Spirit can lead us ever more fully into truth and goodness, unquote. Whatever that means in this context. But we get a hint in the document's call for the recognition of something called the Amazonian Cosmovision, which comes from the Mesoamerican pre-Catholic religions. If you understand what those religions were, you understand why this is clearly heretical. The Cosmovision was the way those cultures understood their places in the world, their civilization, and how it was connected to everything else in the cosmos and what the person acting in society should do with that broader understanding. In other words, the Cosmovision was a religion in its most essential forms, and the working document calls for embracing this, citing the fruits of the peoples of the Amazon embracing spirits. Not the Holy Spirit, mind you, but spirits. Think about the implications of this. This is why some are emphasizing the Pan part of the title of the Synod, the Pan-Amazon Synod, for this is an open call to universalism not seen formally in the Church, until now. The call to adapting what they call the Eucharistic rite to local cultural norms and customs is essentially an open attack on the Roman rite of Mass itself, of the kind not seen since the years immediately following the Council, when Bugnini and his merry band of Protestants developed the new Mass out of thin air. But this will be worse because in the context of the local customs of the Amazon, we will see new rites of the Mass born that are more closely linked with the pre-Christian and anti-Christ religions of those re regions from before the arrival of the Catholic missionaries in the 16th century. The Cosmovision is in crucial here to seeing this. This will come with the ordination of women because apparently those cultures have women in more prominent roles in their culture than in ours with the implication being that our cultures are inferior in that regard, as well as the push for married older men with families to present the new rites of the Mass and the rest of the sacraments to the indigenous peoples. Recall what I said at the start of this. Formal ordination of women and married clergy were two of the stated goals for Cardinal Martini and the St. Gallen group going back decades. They've been slowly promoting these ideas in the Church over the course of those decades, with the aim of finding a Pope who would permit the final blow to be struck for their implementation. But the Amazon Synod won't be the end game. Far from it. Whether the Synod goes off without a hitch and they get their way, those obsessed with inflicting change on institutions are never satisfied. The comparison that I have made in the past and will make again here are the cultural revolutions in the People's Republic of China. Mao ran a series of radical changes on the peoples of his country that came at a staggering cost in lives, and they were done in five-year plan increments. This continuous bombardment of synods in the church, especially in the present pontificate, bears the same hallmark, with an even higher cost, as what they are promoting is not the Catholic faith. Remember, popes are to be the guardians of the faith. They have no more right to change dogmas of the church than do you or I. They are the shepherds of the faithful, not the butchers of the faithful. That worse cost comes than what was experienced in China is worse, because it will involve the loss of souls. This is why Cardinals Muller and Brandmuller called the document heretical and promoting apostasy. That is the Pan-Amazon Synod in a nutshell, and that is why so that many so-called conservative or so-called traditional Catholics are concerned. And I say so-called with those categories of Catholic, because unless something changes soon, those categories will be utterly meaningless. In the Church, there will only be Catholics and those who aren't Catholic, those who apostatize by either instituting this change or peacefully going along with it. And we know that those who are not Catholic aren't actually in the church, but we won't be able to really tell at that point. And this is why I promote the August 15th Novena of Novenas that will run into the early days of the Amazon Synod. It is a 54-day novena with, with, with special prayers that are part of the rosary. 
Father Heilman's blog, Roman Catholic Man, has the details, or will soon. You can Google his name or the name of his blog, and it will take you there for the details. He has done this in the past, so if you search through his blog, you can find the format from past novenas of novenas, and it will be very similar, if not identical. I intend to do more about that novena as the novena start date approaches. Many of the saints and doctors of the church have said that we have no duty to follow the orders of a pope who actively seeks to or even permits the faith to be destroyed, and that instead we must resist him. This resistance is not going to come in the form of barring the gates of the Vatican or marching on the Holy See and deposing him. That resistance comes in the form of prayer, fasting, and educating other Catholics so that they are aware of what's going on and can join in our prayers. Most of all, that resistance means remaining one of those rigid, triumphalist Catholics that Cardinal Martini detested so much. Our duty is to stay close to the true faith, not this mockery of the church that may be instituted by the enemies of true religion. So consider joining us, and consider sharing this video with those you know who may be open to the message I'm giving you today. The time draws short. I am certain that we live in the post-Fatima period that is characterized by Sister Lucia's warnings about the kings of France. If you don't know that reference, in short, Sister Lucia had a vision of our Lord who told her that the Pope and the hierarchy were mimicking the kings of France, who ignored a similar warning until it was too late for them, resulting in Bastille Day and the French Revolution. I will do a video going over that warning and its origins in the future. I'm certain that we live in those times, but I'm not sure what that fully means yet other than that we must continue to pray for the liberation of the church in the face of a brutal assault that we can clearly see is coming down the road. Thanks for listening and for your prayers. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.